So just to start it off, um, I was praying and, and um, I was so excited when I got the call and said, listen, you're going to preach Good Friday. And I said, man, I have come a long way. They asked me to preach on Good Friday. That's amazing. That's not a, isn't that a big deal? Right? Like my mom was like, ¿Te tienen hablando en español? And I was like, no, ma, they got me preaching on a Good Friday. Like this is, this is big for us, ma. I made it. You guys don't understand. Whatever. I appreciate myself. Uh, God has done a wonderful work in me, and I'm so excited because he's not done yet. Every day I struggle. Every day is a new test. And I'm just grateful to be alive, still standing. All my fingers, all my ears is still here. I'm losing hair, but I'm gaining faith. Amen? God is good. So I'm just going to... Um, read the two verses that God gave me today to start off and then we can sit down after I finish reading and after I pray. Um, God spoke to me uh, regarding the, the book of Mark, chapter 10. And in that chapter, so many things happened in that chapter. Jesus taught about divorce. Jesus blessed little children. Come on, wasn't that a blessing what we just seen just now? Everything is just tying together. That's why I'm excited about this. I definitely heard from God today. The rich, young ruler. How many of you know that story about the rings and young ruler? That it's hard, harder to be rich and to get into heaven than to be poor and to get to heaven. You know that, right? People can't go to belongings. Donald Trump. <coughs> oh, shoot. My bad. My bad. I didn't mean to say that. Not a political thing. Jesus' sufferings foretold. That's when he tied the book of Isaiah together with the prophecy. He tied it in. Right? Knowing that he was going to die. And exactly what we have today is Good Friday. Today's the day that Jesus died, but the good news is that he resurrected on the third day. And that's the reason why I'm here, is the reason why you're here, is the reason why we praise and we worship God, because he is the truth, the truth, the absolute truth, the champion, the mighty king, the ruler, the great I am, the savior, the redeemer, the blessed one, Woo! the lion of Judah. Come on, we serve a mighty God. Can I get a war up in this place? Woo! And then finally, a lot happened in the 10th chapter. I told you I was going to do the whole thing, but then I realized people wasn't going to stay the whole time. So then I crunched it down to this part in, um, in chapter 10 where it speaks about a blind man. His name was Barnabas. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole verse, the whole, the whole chapter for the sake of time, but I'm going to take you to the verses that God gave me to set the atmosphere. Amen? So uh, let's go from 49, Mark chapter 10, verse 49 through 50. So it says, Jesus stopped and called him. So they called the blind man, telling him, take courage. I'm already talking to some of you people. Take courage. Throughout all that you're dealing with, take courage. Turn to your neighbor and say, take courage. Take courage. Take courage. Don't be afraid. Come on, this is Good Friday, not Bad Friday. It's a Good Friday. Friday. Amen. It says, take courage. Get up. He is calling for you. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, he is calling for you. So he says, the Bible says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, my master, let me regain my sight. Somebody say amen. Amen. God, as we get ready to get into your word, oh God, and as we're here as a good Friday, knowing that your son Jesus has died today, oh God. I pray that he died for the reason for us, God. We are that reason that he died for God. The reason why he endured all the pain and the reason why he endured all the suffering, every single slash, every single spit that he received in his face, every single time somebody pulled on his hair and said that he wasn't the son of God, every single time somebody walked by him while he was on the cross and laughed and probably took a leak on the cross, oh God. It was for us, God. It was for the gospel. It was for people like me that, that you saved, oh God, for such a time as this. So I thank you. I am honored, oh God, to preach this word. So that's why I ask, oh Lord Jesus, that I may be step aside, that you may fill me up with your glory. And the Holy Spirit may come into this place and preach to somebody that needs to hear the gospel. And is probably hearing the gospel for the first time in their life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God is good. You may be seated. The good part about this Bible verse is the fact that it's not that much information. It's not that much 
It's not that long. So if you want to go home and read it, please do. Read it to your family because it's so important and so vital and it speaks about so many different things. And I could have used a lot of different angles, but I'm going to go with the one that God placed in my heart. Amen? Amen. And I promise you I ain't going to talk too much. But I want to specifically start talking about the significance of a name in the Bible. If you guys know that when you hear somebody's name in the Bible, it means because they probably resemble something that you need to listen to. Amen? If you, if you hear the name of Jesus, you know that name is important. Right? You hear John the Baptist, you know that name is important. And there were so many people in the Bible that had so big impact in our lives, if you ever heard the gospel, and they didn't even give them a name. One of the examples I can say is the woman with the issue of blood. Does anybody know her name? They never mentioned it. What about the woman at the well? Did anybody mention her name? No, never mentioned it. And it's important to know that when they mention somebody's name, it's like a, uh, stop, wait a minute, let me see what's up in it. So God started talking to me right away about Barnabas and about his, his encounter with him. Amen? So I wrote right here, there are many people in the Bible that had no name. Said that part already. When the Bible gives you an identity, it means something. Here you have Barnabas, son of Timaeus, a man born blind from birth. And just to rewind, Jesus, in this verse, he was walking through Jericho, where this blind, was at, where this blind man was at his whole entire life. And as Jesus was walking by, he didn't know that there was a blind man on the side. He wasn't looking around for that. He was walking through Jericho so he can go to Jerusalem, so he can finally be crucified and go through that process. And what happens is that I want to just sit back and, and put ourselves in this blind man's shoes. Because I believe that Barnabas represents a lot of us. There's a lot of Barnabas in a lot of us. And what happens is that we live a life sometimes where we can adapt to our situation. I'm going to say that again. We live lives sometime and we adapt to our situation. The other day, I was at work and I was in a schoolyard and while we were playing, it's a public place, so a man walked in, he had a dog. But this wasn't a normal dog. This dog was like a survivor. This dog only had three legs. And it blew my mind because I was sitting there thinking like, how can this dog, knowing that he's supposed to have four legs so he can run as fast as he can and defend himself, adapt to a disability? Adapt to this new way of living? And that right there reminded me of how we adapt to our situations. How we get into places and we know that, A, number one, we might not be qualified. A, number two, we might not have what it takes. And what happens is that once we feel like we cannot do something, once we feel like we're not good enough, we automatically disqualify ourselves and we put ourselves in a different category because that's not for us. But that's exactly what I would think the enemy will want to do in your life, is give you that point in your mind where you feel that you're not good enough. So like Barnabas was sitting there in Jericho thinking that he wasn't good enough. Just picture a man from birth being blind, can't see a thing, can't look at anybody, sitting in the corner just begging all day every day. Picture some of the people that we walk by every single day of our lives in the train or by a corner store, and we're walking, you know, to t- Target, or when we're dealing with our families, we see them when we're even shopping on Saks Fifth Avenue, and we're in Fifth Avenue just shopping, spending that money. We're walking right by homeless people all of the time, and nobody stops to think, I wonder what their current situation is. I wonder how they got there. And we go about our daily lives, and sometimes, even mentally, and I'm going to say it, some of you might not understand where I'm coming from, but sometimes we even put ourselves on a higher level as them. We forget about 
the fact that they're human just like us and they probably dealt with a situation that we're dealing with. The good part about it is that some of us were able to persevere, but some of us were still stuck in it. And the situation about it is that, yes, this man was set aside because of his blindness. Some of you might not know that in the Bible back in the day when you had a sickness, there were no hospitals to go to. There was no cures for illnesses. There was no, you know, penicillin or antibiotics or cast for broken bones or healing for leprosy. Once you had a disease, once you had a sickness, automatically they cast you away. So much so that even when your wife or your spouse or a woman was bleeding out and she had her monthly, you could not touch her. So picture you married back in the day and your wife is, and you have the green light to say, woman, not right now, cast yourself away. I don't want to look at you for another 30 days. I wish they still did that. No, I'm, just, I'm joking, babe. I love you. You are amazing. I always get myself in trouble somehow, some way on this pulpit. So I don't like coming up here. But picture yourself. Picture yourself in his shoes, cast away, and every single person that you know, all your friends that you used to have, just walking by you because you're blind. Your parents don't want you. Your job don't want you. People don't look at you anymore. What they do is they spit on you. They say funny things like, please, you're a beggar. Get out of here. And they leave you aside all because you decided to stick with your current situation. The title that I had today was No Disrespect. Look to your neighbor and say, no disrespect. I don't want to disrespect you. I don't want to get into your business. But I feel like God does, and I have to be obedient to him. And what happened was I came up here with a cup. You probably thought this was for water. But I did this because I like skits. Okay? And it just... It makes it all the real. When you bring a little prop to the stage and you allow people to see what those people go through. Just picture it. He's blind. People walking by. They got Popeyes in the bag smelling amazing. Sweet Leanna chicken. Popeye with the spices. And he's sitting there, help me, please, I can't see. And some of us, it might not be the sight. Some of us might be just the confidence. For some of us, it might be reading. Some of us, it might be mathematics. For some of us, it might be speech. For some of us, it might be even trying to be bold. For some of us, it might be trying to get married. And can never fight the right one. For some of us, it might be the finances. But a lot of us catch ourselves sometimes in these situations. Where we put ourselves in a category. And start feeling bad for ourselves. And people come by. And they drop money in your cup. And it doesn't change anything. People come by and they try to give you great advice. And it doesn't change anything. People come by and they say nice things like, man, yeah, you're blind, but your hair looks beautiful. And it doesn't change anything. And you're sitting there still crying. I can't do this. I've been struggling my whole life with this insecurity of mine. I just, please, just drop something in the cup. I'm begging you. But the funny part about it is the Bible says that he has never seen any one of his children on the corner begging for bread. And what I received from this message was, if I am related to God because now I'm saved, because I received them as my Lord and Savior, why do I catch myself in these sissy fits begging when I'm already connected with the one that can give me everything I need. And what happened is that the blind man was in a position where 
Nobody can help him. Nobody can save him. Nobody can talk him up for him to see. There was no speech that anybody can give him that will allow him to see again. There was no medicine that can cure the blindness. There was no amount of money that anybody can drop on the cup of sympathy that can heal him. It was only one man, and that was Jesus. And that was Jesus. Look to your neighbor and say, oh, Jesus. And the part that I started to laugh about, and I'm not even Y'all thought I was just going to keep a hoodie up here for no reason, right? No, I'm going to use it too. He had a cloak on. And I work in a school, right? And a lot of these kids deal with anxiety and depression. And and they struggle with self-identity and understanding that they're beautiful. Because they never heard it before. They never heard that they're amazing and awesome. And what happens is that they walk around the school wearing these hoodies that cover their face halfway because they want to put on them something to cover their struggles. And a lot of us might not have on the cloak like the beggar, but a lot of us know how to put up the front. We know how to walk into a church and people are looking right in your eyes and you can smile at them like everything is okay. We know how to say the right things. You know how to move the right way. You know how to praise the right way. So none of us may be able to identify you. But the problem about that is that you go home and you look in the mirror and you know that you see that hurt and that pain inside you. And you cried every single day just like the beggar. Asking for a deliverance. Asking for God to come into your life and touch you and heal you. But you're just begging. Because a lot of you think that God cannot do it. And you think that just coming to church on a good Friday is going to solve you and think that that's a good person. I I went to church on a good Friday, so I'm okay for the rest of the year. But what happens is that you might not need the cloak on today, but tomorrow you're going to throw it right back on. Help me. Help me. That's 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 what the beggar was doing. He was just begging. And people walked by, dropped a dollar in the cup, kept it moving. But the situation was still there. And what's funny is that you keep coming to church and you probably try to pray for a couple of months and gave up and never received anything from God. Because it's funny, deliverance comes for a moment. When your opportunity comes before you and it's time for you to run to God, Would you do it? Would you run to God knowing that you want God to heal you inside? Would you allow yourself to be vulnerable for a moment, for a blessing? Would you be too busy thinking about what other people are going to think and what other people are going to say and you stay stuck in your chair and you don't want to do anything but just go home because you don't want nobody knowing that you're going to cry? You don't want nobody knowing what you're feeling inside because I'm too tough for that, because I'm too big for that. And what happens is that that too big and that too tough continues to keep you at a low place. You will never be able to get healed if you stay stuck with your situation. You'll never be able to be happy and rejoice fully and free and running around You think these kids had an issue worshiping God? They're free. They don't know what bondage is. They hear Jesus and they run to his name. That's what the Bible said. Even in this chapter, it says, you have to be like one of them in order to enter into my kingdom. You need to be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to be unashamed knowing that you cannot do it alone and that you need him to make it to the next place in life. You need to be okay with that. Are you ready for that? Or do you still want to keep your cloak on? (laughs) I'm struggling with my insecurities. 
I'm dealing with my pain and nobody cares. I'm struggling with my face. Nobody loves me. My weight is too much. My wife don't love me. My husband don't love me. I'm just going to stay stuck here begging forever. And what happens is that Jesus passes by. And you continue to miss it. And continue to miss it. When are you going to gravitate towards Jesus? Because the time comes in your life when you get that one opportunity. And I remember mine when I ceased it. And I was high. And I ran to that altar. And I remember the, the tears that came down my eyes. But guess what? I was never the same again. Through Jesus, I was able to see me start talking on a microphone. Through Jesus, I was able to get a wife. Through Jesus, I was able to have a daughter. Through Jesus, I was able to get a job that paid me more than McDonald's and the Bronx Zoo. Through Jesus, I was able to restore some of the relationships that I've had scarred all my life, especially with my mom and my brother. Through Jesus, I was able to see me conquer mountain after mountain. Through Jesus, I started to receive new friends that had good jobs and good marriages and healthy relationships that didn't talk to me about the drugs that I wanted to run from. They talked to me about the God that I wanted to learn from. Through Jesus, you can have it all. But what happens is the world begins to distract us. Barnabas was in a situation. He was in a place of confusion. Because he's thinking about his situation. I am blind. But the minute the Bible says that Jesus was passing by, picture this man that was blind saying, Who, who is this? Who, who's, who's walking by? Who is this walking by? Tell me. Come on. Tell me. Tell me. It, it's, it's Jesus from Nazareth. Jesus from Jesus from I heard. I heard, wait, I heard, I heard about this Jesus. Isn't it funny how this man was blind, but at the same time, he was able to hear? (laughs) Oh, Lord. Sometimes you're looking at the struggle, but you don't see that God gave you something to push you over the top. Don't you understand that inside of you, you have all that you need? There there is a a, a Christian out there that has no hands and no legs, and he's preaching the gospel. He's swimming in swimming pools. He's typing 175 words per minute. He's raising a daughter. He's building a strong marriage. And he has a vibrant ministry. He has written books and he has no arms and legs. What is your excuse? Why is it that you cannot get it together? Why is it that you keep running away from the one that's trying to push you close? Because you're too busy focusing on what you don't have instead of focusing on what you do have. God can use what you do have for his glory. And here this man hears about Jesus of Nazareth. He's like, what? Jesus, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. One thing that I can tell you today, and I will drop the mic and walk away, but I have to finish the sermon, is that your faith can carry you through. If nothing else works... Your faith can carry you through. It's what you believe in that gives something power. It's what you believe in that gives something power. If I believe in my wife, I empower my wife. If I believe in my money, I empower my money. If I believe in my job, I excel at my job. But if I believe in Jesus... I'll excel in Jesus. 
Most of you didn't even know that my notes erased. I haven't looked at my, lap, my, my iPad not one time. I'm going to finish this sermon in the name of Jesus. Through you, I can do anything. I can do all things. For it's you who gives me strength. Nothing is impossible through you. Stop it there. Come on, y'all. You got to give him a praise. I'm landing the plane. And what happens is that this blind man used what he had. And it's funny because on Netflix, yes, I watch Netflix and I'm a Christian. (laughs) But I don't chill. (laughs) Yes, I do. That's why I had a baby. Um, (laughs) That was a good one. Um, I'm watching Netflix. And there's this good show on Netflix besides Hearts of Cards. We're not talking about that one. I'm talking about Daredevil. Man, this world was so on point because I'm sitting there, I'm watching Daredevil, and it never hit me. The, the man does flips. He jumps over buildings. He's fighting the Punisher. The man is dope. He can hear a thousand miles away. He can see I don't even know how because he's blind. Oh, man. Did you just hear me? There's a blind superhero. You guys didn't know that. It's in Marvel. Seriously. You think I'm playing? His name is Daredevil. And the man is a G bona fide hustler. And let me bring it back for some of you, you know, rich people. He's amazing. And he does amazing things. But it's funny how he's not perfect like you and I. But then again, he's still fighting crime. Because he's not focused on what he doesn't have. He's focusing on what he got. (laughs) He's focusing on what he has. And it's funny because some of you may not be able to talk like I can talk. But you can teach better than me. Some of you may not be able to dance the way I dance. I I can never be serious with this church. Why, Lord? But some of you may be able to work harder than I can. You see, all of us are different, but we all got something to give. Look to your neighbor and say, no disrespect. But I got something to give. Give him a praise real quick for what you can give. For what you can give. I got something to give. I don't know what it is, but I got something to bring to this church. And I'm praying that God will see you through. Amen. Somebody give God a praise for what he has given you. For what you can use for such a season like this. It's so funny because parenting doesn't come with a manual. But God has placed something in you that no matter what goes on, you have that counsel to love your child. You see, life doesn't come with a manual, but you just got to trust the process, knowing that God is going to see you through every single situation. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life at the moment. The only thing you got to know is that God has already equipped me. He's already given me what I need. I already got what it takes. No matter what people see, no matter what people say, I am greater than what they think because I am the son of God. I am a man of God. I am worthy, oh God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Somebody give him a shout if you're worthy. Some of you might not think that you're worthy because you're disqualifying yourself. Because you are your worst critic. But you don't see how many people you have influenced in your life. How many people you have helped out through tough situations. But you don't give yourself praise for that, right? You don't look at all the good that you have done. The only thing you focus about is the time that you cheated. 
or the time that you slapped somebody, or the time that you spent money when you wasn't supposed to, or the time that you did something that wasn't contrary to what your parents wanted you to do. That's the only thing you constantly think about, what the worst things people say to you. You're not cute. You're not smart. You're not educated. You're not tall enough. You're not skinny. You're too fat. And the thing about it is that God says none of that. He says, look at my being. He is so perfect in every way. I love him. I can't wait until he starts to see the developed work that I have for him. All he has to do is come to me. And the moment now comes when the beggar has to make a decision. Well, the beggar now looks at his situation and has to reflect within. You see, a lot of us don't do that because we're too busy pointing the finger. We're too busy saying, I didn't make it because of my parents. We're too busy saying, I'm not good enough because my boss don't give me a shot. We're too busy looking at our situations, but we never go like this. My mom says that when you... When you point the finger, right, you got what, three? Point it right back at you. And that's a life lesson and a principle coming straight from Amanda Ramos, my mom. Because she understood that in order for me to be different, I got to look at myself. I'm not going to be calling you out because of my mistake. I'm not going to look at people because of my mistake. I got to look within. You didn't see this beggar look to his friends and say, should I ask for Jesus? You didn't see this beggar go around and get three confirmations for people for him to do something? No disrespect. You didn't see him try to get a job offer? You didn't see him try to get a certificate. You didn't see him try to get nothing. The only thing he had to do was look at himself, at his situation, and say, is this for me? Am I tired of being like this? Am I fed up with walking around all hurt? I can't see a thing. I'm stepping on mud. I'm probably stepping on a pile of doodle. I don't know what I'm doing. Nobody cares. I'm not getting enough food. I'm so skinny. I'm so scrawny. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And it comes at a point where now you have to make that decision. And that decision could be the best decision that you ever make. The funny part about it was they never said his age. I wish they would have. But let's say he was everybody's age, which means it's never too late. It is never too late for Jesus to step into your situation. It is never too late for Jesus to come and heal you. It is never too late for Jesus to come and embrace you and love you like you never received it like never before. Jesus is amazing. Jesus is awesome. Nobody can compare to him. The Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Which means that no matter who you are and where you're from and how much money you have and how excellent you are and how popular you are, you're still going to have to bow down before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the author and finisher of our faith. So even if you think you got good rep in the street or because you have a high title in your business or in your job, just know that Jesus is bigger than that. Just know that Jesus is bigger than that. And even if you feel like you're all that in a bag of chips, everybody has a blind spot. Everybody has a blind spot. I was watching boxing the other day, and the dude lasted two rounds. And that fight was amazing, y'all. Punches were being thrown from all over the place. Left, right, right, left, upper hook, done, uh, done. Coach is yelling, yo, man up, and finally, the dude threw a right hook that went over the top, like Sylvester Stallone, no rap lyrics. 
and it knocked him out. And at the end, you know, it's my favorite part. Because I love when I watch the hype up of a fight because they go before you, two men, brolic, they're strong, they're lean, they're mean, and they're just talking junk to each other like, I'm going to knock you out. No, I'm going to knock you out. Your mama's going to wish she never gave birth to you, man. And it's so amazing because you get a hype and you pay $75 to watch this fight. (laughs) For two rounds, y'all. And the only thing that you see after a fight, once one of them lose, is, man, he did a great job. I love him so much. First and foremost, I want to give glory to God after you're defeated, huh? You want to give glory to God, huh? It's so funny. Everybody needs Jesus when they're down. Forget Jesus when they're up, right? No disrespect. And what happened is that the guy in the interview says, man, how did you see it coming? And the dude said, he hit me in my blind spot. He caught me where I couldn't see. And a lot of you think you're all big and bad until that enemy comes and knows exactly where to strike and knows exactly where to hit and knows exactly the time and place when you are most vulnerable. And he gets you just like that right in your blind spot. And all the boasting and all the time that you were telling everybody how big and bad you were, now you're just a little crybaby begging because your money can't save you your job cannot save you your own spouse cannot save you you can't be hide behind your children there are no excuses in this world people are cold and they're harsh and they say things to destroy you not to love you And they wait for that moment where finally they can put you on blast. And now they even have something called social media. Where if you get knocked out, they'll put you alongside Manny Pacquiao and Ronda Rousey. (laughs) And they'll put you like on the red couch as the shape of a heart. And they put signs like Netflix and chill. When you look, all knocked out on the floor. Or they'll put you next to Mayweather dancing the salsa song because you didn't know how to fight. Like, there's so many mean things that happen. And then after that, they put you on Twitter. And then they'll put you on ESPN. And then you'll be on Channel 7 News. They all dean on your name recklessly because people do not love you. But God does. And it's funny because it takes a situation like that to finally grab your attention. When you get preachers every Sunday pouring their heart out, when you get people trying to call you to tell you to come to church and you disrespect them on the phone and say, nah, church is not for me, and you shun the phone on them. But let a terrorist attack come again in New York City and you see how fast these churches get flooded again because people, for some reason, they activate to fear. They wait until times get hard and hard for them to finally realize that they need Jesus in their life. When you can already be living Jesus every single day, you don't need that situation to get hard. You don't need that situation to get worse. What you need is to run to Jesus and call out, I need you, Lord. You need to come into my life. I need a fixing right now. That to me is more manly. I don't respect the gun. That's quick and easy. I respect the man that is going through a fiery process and is still standing for his wife. I represent, I represent, I respect the man that got no money but is still going to work every single day and maintaining his home just to pay the bills. I respect the man that will say no to the drugs and say yes to Jesus. I respect the woman that no matter what they go through, knowing that their husbands is cheating, they still stay faithful because they did a covenant before God. I respect the woman that respects her boundaries and is not on Instagram trying to show everybody what she got. I respect the woman that can pray for a man and not trying to get into his pants. I respect the elderly that come in every single day and work harder than anybody and nobody acknowledges them and they still do it day in and day out. I respect the usher team that comes in here serving y'all while y'all give them an attitude every Sunday. Because you don't want to sit there. But they still love you. Why? Because they got Jesus. 
because they love Jesus. This takes discipline. This takes integrity. This takes endurance. This takes stamina. Because the enemy comes and attacks just like he attacks everybody else. But the difference is we got to do it right before God. And it hurts. And sometimes we want to get just like that burger in. Oh, woe is me. But the decision comes. Well, now this man begins to cry out. Jesus! 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 Hello, Jesus! 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 And people all around him began to rebuke him. Isn't it funny how before you get blessed, people begin to hate on you? Sometimes it's your own family. Sometimes it's your own friends. Because nobody wants to see you up. You can talk stories and say, oh, my God, I'm going to be this rich person, and I'm going to have so much, and I'm going to buy you a house. But the minute that you get it, they find a way to take it away from you. And Barnabas was in that situation where he could have listened to the distractions. He could have let the distractions rule over his decision to cry out for Jesus. The same way that you can let your distractions stop you from coming to the altar at the end and receiving prayer for whatever situation you're going through. You can let those naysayers speak into your ear and say, shh, stop talking. You're annoying. You're a beggar. You're poor. Your breath stinks. You look dirty. You smell like hot oil. And people say these things to you because they don't want you to receive what God has for you. And people all of your life get used to it. They will down talk you because they don't want you to believe that God can do all things in your life. And here comes the second decision. Should I listen to them or should I stay focused on Jesus? And he decided to stay focused on Jesus. And he continued to cry out, Jesus, Jesus, son of David. Right away, he recognized that the son of David meant the Messiah, the most high, the biggest name, the most awesome God. He knew right then and there that he had nothing, but the only thing that he wanted was the one that had it all. You know what's that? That you've been a beggar all your life, letting, peace you, letting people pass you by. Everybody's getting blessed. Everybody's getting married. Everybody got money. Everybody got good jobs. And here you are just stuck in your situation. And people are walking by. And the minute you decide to start crying out, people want to tell you to shut up. People want to tell you to be quiet. And now... You got to think to this. When you feel like you don't want to come up here, just know it won't get his attention. He'll just keep on passing by. You got to understand that our Jesus, our God, is a gentleman. And he won't walk into your business like a nosy person. He'll just keep on walking by. And it has to be a decision that you make that you begin to cry out. And the Bible says, not only did he stop, but he turned around. And it's funny because it goes back to the woman of the issue of blood. She didn't say anything. She was at a place of vulnerability where she had no strength. She was sick for so many years. And this old lady pushed people to the side because she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I could be made whole. And it wasn't what she said. It was the faith that pushed her through. You know what faith would do to your situation? It will push our obstacles out of your way. No matter what is trying to block you from Jesus, your faith will push it right out of the way because this was going to propel you to get right next to him. It's your faith. And that woman did not allow no young man, no brolic person, no people to get in her way of touching the hem of Jesus' garment. 
Because she know that if she could just get a little piece of that, she will be healed. And Jesus, with thousands of people around him, felt the power leave because of the faith of this woman. Do you know that you can pull power off of Jesus by your faith? The faith that you got could get the attention of Jesus. The struggles that you've been through and you once you get tired of your situation, once you get fed up with what you're dealing with, once you start to begin to get desperate, knowing that you can't do it all by yourself and you want to run to Jesus. Once you get that touch, you get his attention. And he stopped. The Bible said that he went to a complete halt. And he turned around. And he looked. And he said, that man right there, call him. And everybody's looking like, what, the annoying dude? You want to get him? He said, yeah, get me him. And the disciples walked up to him and said, son, rise up. Turn to your neighbor and said, rise up. And I'm pretty sure that man at that moment, I could just only imagine what he was dealing with internally when he looked at his cup. When he looked at every single dime that he received from somebody that didn't heal him. When he thought about every single word that he heard that did not heal him. When he thought about every single person that probably tried to come by and imitate Jesus to try to save him from his situation and it never worked. He looked at the cup and probably was like, I'm too scared to let this go. This is my place of comfort. I got used to hiding my face. I got used to begging for money. Now, Jesus is calling me. He's calling me up. I got to rise up now. After I've been tired for so long. After I've been struggling for so long now, it's my turn. After people try to tell me to shut up, I finally got his attention. Picture it. So many years dealing with the struggle. Never getting healed. And finally, this moment comes. Well, they tell him. Well, they tell him. Rise up. Jesus is calling you. They tell him, rise up. Jesus is calling you, son. And he looked at his cup. He said, all right. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to put it down. But you sure? Jesus is calling me? Okay. I'm going to take this off. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let go. But it's so hard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. I'm going to let go. Hold up. You sure? Because this hid me from the world. Are you sure? This, this helped me block away so many different people. This didn't allow me to be vulnerable. This allowed me to hide. Are you sure? Okay. And the Bible said, that when he went to Jesus, Jesus asked him. And Jesus is asking you, what would you like me to do for you? What would you like me to do for you? Now the man asked for his sight back. But I don't know what you are asking for. 
I don't know what it is that you've been holding for so long. I can't call it. I don't know what you've been hiding from the world. I don't know what you've been begging for. I have no idea. Everybody bow your head real quick. Guys, I want you to put a hand on your neighbor. I just want to pray real quick. And then after that, I want you guys, if you guys want to come up and receive prayer. Elder, come up, please. Just hold hands. Squeeze that shoulder of your neighbor. You don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know why they're here on a good Friday. You don't know what they've been begging for. You don't know what they've been crying out for. You don't know what they've been hiding. You don't know what they've been dealing with. You don't know what they're struggling with. You have no idea the things that they've heard in their past, in their life. Father God, I just thank you for your presence, Lord. I thank you for the presence, oh God, that can heal. I thank you for the presence, oh God, that can save. I thank you for the presence, oh God, that can love. I thank you for the presence, oh God, that can hug. I thank you for the presence, oh God, that can deliver. I thank you, Lord, for every single person that's in this room right now. Because, Father, they are my brothers and my sisters, God. And I know that what I've been through in life, they've probably been through worse, Lord. So I pray that, Father God, by the grace of this word, by the love of this testimony, by the power of your word, Father God, people will receive this message and that they will be free forever, God. Free from any sickness, free from any bondage, free from any demons, free from anything, oh God, that is stopping them from being a perfect being in you, God.